Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, Indianapolis. It's game on as indictments have come down for the son of the sitting president, Hunter Biden, indicted on gun charges. The first time this has ever happened. And I'm ecstatic to see, hopefully, justice come after the very corrupt Biden family. Oh, no, the consequences of my actions kept coming up to catch up with the Biden family. Crazy stuff. We got a lot to cover, uh, including, including updates on uh, uh, congressional hopeful, as well as uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, who seems to have been caught in a bit of scandal recently. Uh, just lots to cover in the news. Let's dive right into it. Of course, begin with President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, being indicted on three charges, including making false statements to the federal firearms form and uh, possession of a firearm as a prohibited person. Um, this is incredible. I mean, it, it, it's like the Justice Department looked at Hunter Biden and said, Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. I mean, seriously, this is the I mean, it all began, of course, with the reckless indictments of President Donald Trump. But it's like the Pandora's box has been opened by doing this because all of these political uh, miscreants uh, are, are near dwells and corrupt. They all got something hiding in the closet. They all got some kind of dirty skeleton hiding, poking around in there. Hunter Biden, especially because he went out of his way to record so much of it. Now, CNN had an interesting exchange with their legal analyst Jennifer Rogers, who said she believes these indictments are a weak case. Uh, Jennifer, obviously, again, this is a historic moment. The first time DOJ has charged the son of a sitting president. Your reaction to the news? Uh, I certainly, if I were making history, would not want to make it with this set of facts and these laws. Uh, I think that this case is weak. It's very, very rarely charged, this section on being a an addict in possession of a weapon. It's been a really bad week for the Bidens, because you got the the uh, offenses by Hunter Biden now being uh, officially charged and then uh, the impeachment inquiry beginning with Kevin McCarthy. Now, Jennifer Rogers says that she believes the charges are weak. The idea that he lied about being addicted to drugs, except for the fact he wrote about it in his autobiography, which in a confused, likely accidental act of journalism, CNN went out of their way to point out. And of course, Jennifer Rogers had a flimsy. Uh, comeback. Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, as an outside observer, it, it seems fairly simple in terms of evidence. He, he signed a form claiming that he had not been using narcotics, and then he later writes a biography in which he acknowledges that during that time he was using narcotics. So most of the gun possession uh, statute talks about uh, statuses that, that are not really uh, indisputable, right? Like the felon in possession. If you are a felon, which you can prove just on the paper and you possess a gun, you're guilty. It's a little bit different when you talk about an addict. It's usually very hard to prove. Granted, easier if you're someone who has written an autobiography. How embarrassing. 
Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. Don't write down your crimes. It's so easy to remember. But there we go. Hunter Biden definitely having been addicted. And look, it's the Biden administration. It's the Democrats who want to throw the book at any kind of gun offense and really ramped up charges uh, for the federal government to pursue in their attack on the Second Amendment. So here you go, guys. Here's the son of a sitting president who is definitely guilty of the crimes in which he's accused. Of course, like everyone, he's uh, due, uh, entitled to the due process of law, but come on! You know, again, this is why you don't take pictures of yourself driving around through uh, through Arlington smoking crack or uh, uh, naked pictures of, of yourself with uh, uh, prostitutes in Las Vegas. Like these are these are things you don't do, especially when you're the son of a sitting president. Uh, it, but it appears that he is not invulnerable to these investigations either. And it puts the Biden administration in a sticky situation because if they come to his defense and write him a pardon, it's going to mire the reputation even more so of the administration administration than it already has. Um, so it just leaves them in a precarious position while they're also staving off impeachment inquiry, which you have the uh, uh, Senate leader Chuck Schumer brushing off as a witch hunt, which is hysterical to use him, uh, see him using the language of Donald Trump to be dismissive of the impeachment inquiry. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we've said, you can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. Witch hunts? Where have I heard that phrasing before? Ah, yes, it was during the Trump administration with the two very illegitimate impeachment attempts by the Democrats, the first one being the Ukraine phone call, which obviously was a completely legitimate act of state, given that much of what Trump was asking to be investigated at the time is the basis for the impeachment inquiry now. That is the Biden foreign business dealings and the connection between his son and at the time his sitting vice president father. Like it, it's all coming together. And Mitt Romney, no less, um, good old Mittens from Utah, uh, the the son of Michigan, who was the Massachusetts governor, who is now the senator of Utah uh, and voted, I believe, twice. Uh, to to impeach Donald Trump in both circumstances, but he believes there isn't enough evidence to move forward with the Biden crime family. How did you deal with China? Evidence so, on impeachment on a, another impeachment trial potentially. Uh, you know, I know the House is beginning an impeachment inquiry. Um, I haven't heard any allegation of something that would rise to the level of a high crime or misdemeanor. I think it'd be very unusual to actually see a referral of impeachment. I, I don't expect that. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> okay, so Mitt Romney doesn't believe there's enough evidence to move forward, but Dr. Max Abrams, he's among the world's leading experts on the subject of terrorism, and currently he's a sitting professor of political science and public policy at Northwestern University. So, an individual with uh, some bona fides in the field, and he thinks that whatever the merits of impeaching Joe Biden, let's not pretend Trump didn't get impeached for much less. A conversation with Zelensky that was le way less problematic than what Joe did with Ukraine. Not only did he have the quid pro
pro quo in which he pressured the government of Ukraine to fire the prosecutor that was investigating his son, but he also had business dealings that enriched members of his family. So, like, there's a lot of there there. For Mitt Romney to be so dismissive and blasé is nothing less than nauseating, which leads me to celebrate the fact he is seeking his exit uh, in 2024, not running for re-election, and good riddance. Another one bites the dust likely sensing uh, the curtains coming to a close on his own political career and is bowing out with some semblance of dignity left, although I don't know how you would manage that feat with the uh, despicable comments he just made in light of the actions of the Biden crime family. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. We got a lot more to come on the show. Stay tuned because up next, I'll give you some updates on a Democratic hopeful who is uh, seeking office in the Virginia House of Delegates. Uh, but she's had a bit of her past come back to uh, haunt her, as well as Lauren Boebert behaving badly. Tell you all about that in the next segment. Stay tuned to 93 WIBC. She's all so good. is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Saturday Night on the Circle, and I'm Ethan Hatcher. Sitting opposite me is the dutiful producer, Carl. Pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. This segment, we're going to be discussing performance theater uh, on the silver stage and the small screen alike, from Virginia to Colorado and as likely the places in between. But beginning in Virginia, where a political hopeful, a rookie seeking a vital seat in the Virginia House of Democrats, well, in the not-so-distant past of just over a year ago, uh, she was making performance videos online as Hot Wife Experience, a 40-year-old mother with an X-rated webcam site. Uh, Now, after its release, she's billing this as revenge porn uh, for releasing it onto the Internet. And then he posted a bunch of naked pics of me online and that was the last straw oh my god that's disgusting naked pics online where where did he post those i don't know one of those disgusting ex-girlfriend porno sites oh those disgusting ex-girlfriend porno sites i mean there's so many of them though mm-hmm. which one okay do which you, one did he know post where we can on? find him So she was making these videos on the website Chatterbait, and they were subsequently taken down, but cataloged as all things are on the internet on a website called Recurbate. Because look, once you put something online, especially when it's spicy like that, it's content that's hard to scrub and make go away. So to call it revenge porn is, first of all, not accurate because she was voluntarily participating in these performances and soliciting tokens for extra performance. Performances Like, she had more than 5,700 followers, and I'm sure a few of them were in the D.C. area. Of course the GOP got their hands on this. They're going to run with it. You know, and the only comeback to this um, is to embrace your past, not run away from it. The idea she's playing victim here is what I think is rubbing a lot of the people the wrong way because she's claiming that she's ethically non-monogamous and more than willing to uh, uh, participate in these activities. Uh, but then at the same time... 
act ashamed and uh, uh, surprised and disturbed at uh, its discovery. Uh, she said uh, um, that, that it was illegal and criminal. Uh, the worst gutter. Here we go. The worst gutter politics an illegal invasion of my privacy designed to humiliate me and my family. But you brought the camera in there, lady. <laughs> Republican Party didn't put the camera in there and make you perform for that. And she said she was uh, this, according to Town Hall, for the right price, chatterbaiters uh, could privately watch Gibson urinate or be sodomized. Now, my question is that uh, I thought sodomy was strictly an act between two men. But, you know, I guess that's something you learn. new. You learn something new every day. Long ago, there were these two awful towns, uh, Sodom, named after sodomy. And Gamora, which was named after an even even weirder move. So. so she's saying that this won't intimidate or silence her. And, you know, again, I, I think at this point, the only the only course of action is to embrace your participation in this activity. If for no other reason than likely it was a source of uh, fundraising for her campaign, because she said that the tokens donated for these online ex explicit performances were going to a worthy cause. But she never really identified what that worthy cause was. And now a short time later, she's running for this seat in Virginia politics. I'm willing to wager that some of that money is being used to enter, so you know, enter into the political arena. So, of course, it's absolutely fair game. Am I wrong, producer Carl? Uh, no, no. I just was wondering: Are those campaign contributions? <laughs> well, uh, they, they were, whether they knew it or not. <laughs> the, the seed money for a future campaign. Um, and if this, you know, isn't icing on the cake, uh, uh, also former Governor Ralph Abortham supports her, uh, saying, "Couldn't be more thrilled to share uh, that the former Governor Ralph Northam, a practicing physician and longtime supporter of women's reproductive freedom, freedom, has endorsed her campaign." So I guess that's everything you need to know about uh, Suzanne, yeah, that was her name, uh, yeah, Susanna Gibson uh, running for the Virginia House of Delegates. Um, but speaking of performance theater, we also had an incident coming out of Colorado, and I'm not sure if you caught this, uh, uh, producer Carl, but Congresswoman Lauren Boebert caught behaving badly after she got into an incident with a pregnant woman. She's vaping, she's taking pictures, she's singing and clapping, and causing a commotion at a theatrical performance of Beetlejuice at Buell Theater in Colorado. This is not how you behave. And I thought, you know, I'm just kind of imagining the situation unfolding perhaps in a private box. No, she's sitting in the arena, like the main floor seating with people uh, all gathered around her. And she's just being like, rude is the only way to describe it. And I know this because I caught security camera footage that the theater sub Subsequently uploaded, she's given the middle finger to the ushers who are having to lead her out, and she was warned. Look, before I, I've been to many theatrical performances in my lifetime, and I can't say for all of them, but for by and far the most of them, they make an announcement before the performance begins that they don't uh, they, they don't allow uh, flash photography or recordings permitted in the theater. And there's a couple reasons for that. Not only is it distracting for the performers, um, but it also um, it could infringe on copyright because they usually these uh, performance companies, they don't own the material they're performing. They rent it. They can make the performances, but you can't then uh, record and redistribute the performances. It's just part of the distribution for those 
theatrical plays many times. So there's good reason for why you can't do that. And she's taking selfies. She's with her, uh, you know, male accomplice. This must be incredibly embarrassing for for him, if nothing else. Like she's probably. Oh, and she's token on the vape in the theater. She was Lauren Bober, Congresswoman, claimed, of course, oh, that wasn't me vaping. Uh, that was the fog machine. That was the fog machine to the theater. Yeah, and Carl's laughing because it is ridiculous. And she was, again, caught on security camera, taking a big old toke off that thing and puffing it. You can't do that in the theater. And being Colorado, producer Carl, one wonders what the content of that vape pen may have been. <laughs> Not that I'm against uh, uh, adults uh, uh, consuming recreational substances of their choosing, but that said, there's a time and a place, and uh, decorum must also be kept in mind, which clearly she lacked. Flipping off the ushers, storming out, pulling a, do you, do you know who I am? Lauren Boebert walking <laughs> walking through the theater of Colorado. Um, and it was broken by the, the Denver Post. Um, laughing, singing, recording, vaping. Not how you behave in a theater. And she's brushing it off. She's like, oh, you know, guilty as charged. I was having too much fun. Go see the performance. Uh, <laughs> I, I think more, more of an apology is in order than uh, than a dismissal and a mere acceptance of guilt. Um, and, you know, and she's claiming that she didn't know you couldn't sing along like again. Bullcrap. That's just not it's not how you behave at a theatrical performance. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, producer Carl on the board. One thing I wanted to cover before we coast this segment to a close, Libertarian National Committee, they are taking charge and a bit of an unusual legal action um, to get conservatorship over Joe Biden and cocaine Mitch McConnell after their very public health problems and lapses in judgment. Uh, the Libertarian Party... Uh, uh, posits this as desperately needed uh, uh, to ensure the continuity of the United States. As they phrase it, the clear incapacitation, mental lapses, and deficiencies in decision-making are observable in numerous recent and well-published insta instances which necessitate these actions. Both subjects' ability to receive and evaluate information effectively make decisions and communicate are impaired to such an extent that they lack the capacity to represent themselves or the interests of Americans. And as neither the men themselves nor either of the dominant political parties will take action to remove President Biden or Senate Minority Leader McConnell. The only party of principle, the Libertarian Party, feels it's an obligation to move forward on the issue. I think it's comical, if nothing else, and you're likely to see more traction out of this um, conservatorship from the Libertarian Party because now it's going to get marched through court. It's going to be challenged, and it's likely going to be shot down. Um, but you're going to see more traction from this, probably, than Kevin McCarthy's um, impe uh, impeachment inquiry against President Biden. And look, I'm all for the impeachment in inquiry, but that is provided that Republicans are willing to pursue it to its fullest extent possible. And as of late, it seems like Republicans have been rather lackadaisical in that regard, in the follow through. You know what I mean, Producer Carl? So I think the Libertarian Party has more follow through here, and we're going to see more traction out of their uh, conservatorship over President Biden and uh, cocaine Mitch McConnell than we are out of the Kevin McConnell. McCarthy uh, impeachment inquiry. Disappointing as that may be. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Catch my podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. Also cataloged on WIBC.com, where you can find, um, we're going to be posting my appearance on Tony Katz today from Thursday on the website, and uh, you can catch that there. 
Thanks for listening to the show. More on the way. Hat Tricks with Hatcher coming up next. Stay tuned to 93 WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Stumbling through an ocean of ineptitude, the shambling Biden administration stammers forward at a snail's pace like a slow motion train wreck, captivating our shock and comedic interest simultaneously. You'll hear Biden's often bizarre moments of confusion and decrepitude cataloged for your consideration on another exciting edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with John Fetterman, um, because, of course, in, he is the crowning jewel of ineptitude in the Biden administration. Uh, <laughs> and he had a very interesting reaction to news of the impeachment inquiry that was launched by Kevin McCarthy this week, and he sounds kind of unhinged and almost like a drunk. Asking about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry, has said he's going to. Oh my God, really? Oh my gosh, you know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh no, oh no. Now that's comedy. Better be careful, because although I don't think Republicans will follow through, I mean, it's always a remote possibility they could stumble backwards into something so abhorrent their their hand is forced. Um, Because, look, the impeachment inquiry gives the Republicans more of an opportunity to pry into the financial details of the Biden family. Um, And where there's smoke, there's fire. And certainly there seems to be a lot of smoke in the Biden crime family. Um, But... Despite all the smokes uh, surrounding his uh, financial dealings, obviously there's a lot uh, that, that that is left to be desired uh, as far as his mental acuity is concerned. He made several bizarre statements um, at, at his appearance in Vietnam, uh, making a press conference um, where he once again joked that he's just following orders, you know, as if we didn't already suspect that Biden is basically a, a, pu- a puppet, you know, being controlled by strings. The light. For and uh, I see, I'm just following my orders here. Ah, ah, he said it, he said it. Ah, ah, there it is, there it is. Like, not the best thing to be saying when you're trying to dispel voters of the notion your age doesn't play a factor in your qualification for running and re-election with which of course for Biden it absolutely does he is shambling and falling apart at the seams at another instant in the same press conference he said that he was just going to bed 
Well, yeah, he said he's going to bed, and the press conference wasn't even done. People are still asking questions. He's not shambling away. He's standing there. Oh, I think I'm going to bed. He may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. The wheels are falling off the Biden administration, uh, you know, in every sense of the word. He's also proposing an intercontinental train going from the Pacific Ocean all the way across the entire continent of Africa. This time he was proposing. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous, uh, you know, bringing him up to uh, 19th century standard after all, you know. uh, But look. Our rail lines are falling apart. Shouldn't we be att- paying attention to the rail lines here before we get carried away and start building rail across the African continent? For example, you know, one of the things we're doing in terms of, uh, I, I proposed a long time ago at the G7, now it's going kind to of come to fruition in the G20, is making sure that we build a railroad all the way across the African continent. Think about it. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. I'm not sure how building a rail across the African continent makes any kind of gains for American diplomatic policy or for the American citizenry, especially when our own transportation networks are languishing under the lackluster leadership of, or lack thereof, of uh, Pete Buddha 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 Judge Rockin' everywhere. I mean, everything at the Biden administration, every every level is a new uh, uh, floor of failure. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, uh, we also heard in June of this year, uh, of course, he's proposing uh, train lines across the African continent. But he also said that we can build a train across the Indian Ocean. Well, we're going to win and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in, 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 in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. Yesterday, I learned the difference between a train and a boat. I wrote this song before that. Train on the water, boat on the track. Train on the water, boat on the track. My lady took a train across the Atlantic. I hope it don't sink like the Titanic. I went to the station, called a boat downtown. I hope it don't fall off the track and I drown. Dude's got an unhealthy fetish with trains. I don't know what to say. But he doesn't want to fix the trains here. That is the, you know, that that just kind of sums up the Biden administration. He's focused on, geo, you know, international affairs, unable to bring those to fruition, ultimately ignoring the problems here at home and accomplishing nothing. That is Joe Biden in a nutshell, accomplishing nothing. Pie high in the, you know, sky aspirations and not even the slightest means uh, to, uh, to fulfill them. It's absolutely ridiculous and shameful. Speaking of shameful, though, Biden also this week, this isn't the first time he's got caught, been caught doing this. He did a racism, producer Carl. He did another racism, this time impugning the intelligence of African-American and Hispanics nationwide, attributing them as, you know, basically the diplomaless working class of America. We not only recovered all the jobs we lost during the pandemic, we've added millions more. We've seen record lows in unemployment, particularly, and I've focused on this my whole career, particularly for African-Americans and Hispanic workers and veterans, you know, and the workers without high school diplomas. Nope. Oops. 
I mean, is there any other way to interpret that, Producer Carl, than to say any you- any Republican saying the same thing would be out? <laughs> Absolutely, and it's not the first time he's made these little faux pas, or should I say, Freudian slips? I, I guess that's probably a better term. Because remember, on the campaign trail, uh, he very famously said that poor kids are just as bright as white kids. We have this notion that somehow, if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Oops. Even then, even in the moment, he caught and understood what he did there and tried to, you know, put a patch job on it. But it was too late. Um, He also, remember, famously said to Charlemagne the God, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. So, like, on multiple levels, the Biden, Joe Biden himself has said and done very racist things that you're very correct for pointing out, Carl, if a Republican did them, would have already been quickly shown the door long ago. But because Biden is a Democrat and because the media plays ball, he gets excused time and again for making these faux pas. And Corrine Jean-Pierre, of course, more more than willing to cover for these uh, uh, faux pas, for these mistakes, for these lapses in judgment and character. She says, you know, 80 is the new 40. Um, You've seen all the public polling, people concerned about age. How does the president plan to convince the American people over the next year that 80 is not too old for someone who's running for re-election? 80 is the new 40, didn't you hear? Have you lost your reptilian ass mind? I mean, we've done a whole segment of Biden doing racism, proposing the impossible trains across oceans. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> It's it's just nuts, uh, uh, you know, him saying he's following his orders, um, that he has to go to bed and on it goes. We've done a, a whole segment of Biden falling apart at the seams. And, you know, here's Kareem Jean-Pierre, 80 is the new 40. Give me a break. Well, producer Carl, before we coast this segment to a close, I wanted to introduce the listeners to a wonderful parody that you showed me earlier today. Joe Biden uh, or the song entitled uh, Walk Like a Joe Biden. Walk like a Joe Biden. I love the part where he does that little breathy thing. He's such an old man. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. More on the way. Stay tuned. is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I think you should stay tuned for the next segment. I'm going to do a little bit of an early tease because we have breaking news 
here at WIBC. I'm I'm not sure if any other show has covered this yet. So you are definitely going to want to stay tuned through the commercial break for the news that I'm going to tell you at the top of next hour. That's a bit of a professional tease there, producer Carl. In the meantime, though, I'll talk about something that really makes me smile, and it's kitties. I love cats. I have a couple of cats myself, five house cats, which I know some would say is too many. I'm all I'm all catted up. I have the max capacity for the house I'm currently in. I need a bigger house. That's the problem. I don't have too many cats. I have too small of a house. Um, and if I had a bigger house, I could fit more phonographs. Cats, phonographs, antiques, you know, it all kind of comes together. And these kitties were rescued by Zionsville police from an engine block. Uh, you can find this story posted to WIBC.com. And I have a, a picture uploaded to uh, the, the show prep, which producer Carl could look at. These are the most adorable cats ever. You got a spotted cat. You got an orange cat. You got a calico kitty and a gray cat. And they're all kittens that you can adopt, although... Although I'm sure as adorable as these cats are, they must have already been picked up. But at the time, um, and you may want if look, if you are a cat fanatic like me, maybe you want a kitty in your life um, and you can adopt them from the Boone County Dispatch, uh, calling them at 765-482-1412 and ask for Officer Mandel Beam. Again, 765-482-1412, Officer Mandy Beam, if you want to, uh, to inquire about adopting one of these adorable cats that were rescued from an engine block in Zionsville. Always happy when the cats are taken care of. They're not being taken care of in the city of Indianapolis right now. We have a bit of a shelter problem. And, th and this is a, you know, a pressure that a lot of cities are facing. Um, not enough capacity and too many, uh, too many animals running around. Uh, like Bob Barker said, you always got to make sure to spay and neuter your pets uh, and take care of the feral population um, because, my goodness, it is overwhelming many city services and the Indianapolis Animal Shelter does an outstanding job. As I understand it, they have an over 85% over survival rate, so 85% of the animals that come into the shelter are adopted out and survive their, you know, or are, are picked up by their owners and survive their stay in one way or another. But that's still you know, uh, amount Mounting up with what, what, 15%, that's hundreds of animals that still have to be put under and euthanized. And because of the cramped spaces, um, it stresses the animals out and in some cases makes them unadoptable because, uh, uh, you know, it screws with their temperament. Um, obviously, in this case, a new shelter is desperately needed. And these facilities don't need to be luxurious, they need to be functional. But right now, the city has got, they've already spent more than $5 million dollars on site remediation for a animal shelter and they've got another three million that's been given to them from the polian trust in august of 2022 it's been more than two years in the works but still no shelter and uh, abby brandis uh, who's currently heading up the neighborhood and business association department um, in indianapolis explains why they're not getting more movement. We took our questions to Abby Brands, the new director at Business and Neighborhood Services, which oversees the city animal shelter. What's going where on with that? It? Yeah, where's the shelter? Where we are to date is just a delay with the site, unfortunately. The city has already spent $5 million remediating the site. However, they need at least another $10 million to make the animal shelter a reality. The city has made two federal funding requests over the last few years, and we haven't received any of the funding that we applied for unfortunately we want more money yeah more money more money from where just more money you know 
Five million dollars they've spent without breaking ground, just remediating the site. What is this leftover spillage from Chernobyl that has soaked into the ground? What remediation could you possibly need to do to prepare it for an animal shelter? Just pave it over and build on it. It's not that complicated. Five million dollars plus another three million dollars given to them by the Polium Trust. And they need or claim to need another 10, possibly more million dollars, 18 million dollars for this animal shelter. And I'm all for taking care of the animals, but there is waste, fraud, and abuse that's going on somewhere because we're not building them a sports arena, producer Carl. We're not building them a sports arena, $18 million. What kind of animal shelter are these going to get? Are, they, are we paving the floors with gold, gold leaf linoleum? They're making an animal shelter in the Ukraine. There we go. <laughs> what? I mean, okay, so look. I mean, maybe I am underestimating uh, the cost of a commercial structure. I don't I don't think I am. It can't be it can't cost many, many times uh, that, you know, that would be quite a luxurious mansion. Um, but but this is this is the game that the city likes to play. Instead of just going through with a project, they always got to solicit more dollars from the taxpayer, or ideally from the federal uh, uh, taxpayer, from the taxpayer nationwide, uh, like they have with the grants that were given for for the bus lines, uh, which are mutilating our roadways, or for the project to turn the through fares in Indianapolis into two-way roads, or for, in this case, an animal shelter. They're always nickeling and diamond and seeking to get more money instead of just adequately utilizing the resources at hand to accomplish the goals they set forth, which would be what, you know, you do in an idealistic administration, but we don't live there. Um, and uh, sadly, I don't think any city does right now, um, just because the state of politics politics in general. Anyway, you're listening to 93 WIBC. We got a lot coming up in the next hour. I'll be talking about uh, of course the breaking news that I don't think any other show on WIBC has covered yet. Stay tuned for that. We'll also be getting into uh the great debate surrounding Starfield, which is the latest Bethesda RPG to drop last week on Tuesday. Um, I've been going through it and having a blast. You'll also hear from uh, guest Tony Kennett coming onto the show to give you the sorted take of uh, Yvonne Wokes, former superintendent of Hamilton Southeastern. She has resigned. Uh, there's much controversy in the community, but there's some uh, uh, behind the scenes information that you might not know. So stick around for that on 93 WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, Indianapolis. 
happy to be here for another segment of Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, joined by producer Carl, who's pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. 2023 is spoiling the gamer for great games. We've had a slew of good releases, including Hogwarts Legacy, Baldur's Gate 3, Atomic Heart, and the latest edition, Starfield, Bethesda's RPG open world single player experience has hit the shelves just last week and it's already caused quite a stir for its political virtue signaling at least in some uh, to some degree we'll get into that but first i teased it producer carl we got to get into the breaking news wibc breaking news here on saturday night on the circle i don't know if any WIBC host has gotten to this yet. It just broke five hours ago. I know I saw it on the Abdul Twitter page, so I guess if you want to uh, consider that a WIBC host, he I saw it there, so he's already got to it. Joe Hogsett, or I should say the Mrs. Hogsett, formerly Mrs. Hogsett, the First Lady of Indianapolis, Stephanie, has reportedly filed for divorce in Johnson Superior Court for, according to court filings that date back to September 8th, a hearing set to take place October 19th, just a scant few weeks before the election is set to take place. And producer Carl had a wonderful observation. If she doesn't want him, why should we? Of course, the alternative is Jefferson Shreve. So do we really want that, Producer Carl? I don't know, but uh, I don't want to. I'm certainly not going to be so garish as to uh, revel in the uh, personal misfortune of his private life. Uh, That being said, maybe there are deeper issues to consider. Uh, Perhaps one of the questions Phil Sanchez can get to at that uh, uh, debate that's taking place. What what is it? Just a couple days after the hearing on October 19th. I I think it what, what is it? October uh, yeah, October 23rd, when the first debate set to take place. Um, so just one, two, three, four, four days later. Wow. Maybe Phil Sanchez can get to um, uh, where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. And perhaps that reason maybe might be perhaps allegedly connected with speculatively the reason why Miss Hogsett is filing for divorce well, allegedly in one man's perhaps maybe opinion. Well, we're not going <laughs> to know. Just to cover all the bases. Yeah, right. we're, we're not going to know unless the question is asked. We're not going to know unless the question is asked. You're absolutely right. Um, so yeah, personal misfortune in the life of Mayor Joe Hogsett. It's never good to see the separation uh, uh, separation take place, um, but Hopefully, uh, Stephanie will find herself in a uh, happier situation soon. That being said, let's talk about the uh, latest Bethesda RPG, which I have been enthralled with. I'm about 13 hours deep so far and feel like I've barely scratched the surface on this absolutely massive beast of a video game. I think it's by a country mile the best uh, RPG that they have released so far. And it goes deep into space exploration. Carl, you have over a thousand worlds that you can actually touch down with your ship and explore. Now, it's not 
not the whole planet. You can't like circumnavigate the planet, but still the variety. There's all kinds of different environments. There's, you know, rocky regions. There's forest regions, jungle regions, all kinds of uh, crazy animals. Uh, they have different uh, 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 spaceships. They have different uh, uh, colonies and settlements that you can visit across the universe, each with their own individual flair. And anytime you walk through one of these towns, they give you at least two or three missions. Just just walking through, it's literally bursting at the seams with content. And it's really, really cool. But it has kind of been a source, a source of controversy in the gaming community because of its inclusion of pronouns. And of course, anything in the modern entertainment world, you know, it's always got to include the virtue signaling or the pandering. And this one comes right at the beginning of the game where they're, uh, uh, they, they give you the option to select your pronouns between he, he, uh, him, she, her, um, or they, them, and a couple other, you know, uh, diverse storylines in the game. Well, this caught the ire of several uh, uh, video game commentators, including Heel versus Babyface, who went on this epic rant about the pronoun inclusion. Bethesda, there is nothing I love more than to, to, to sit down, comfy chair, turn on my PC, fire up a brand new RPG, uh, uh, lose myself, think, oh my God, just think of this world, just think of all the planets I can visit, all the immersive things that I can get involved with, all the fights, all the relationships, all the people I meet, all the places I go. I'm so excited to go there. And you know, I love nothing more than with all of that laid out in front of me, I love nothing more than to be dragged out <laughs> at every inconceivable opportunity so you can f***ing current day us. Sorry, did you want to get immersed in our world? Yeah, well, guess what? F***ing pronouns! F***ing gender ambiguity! F***ing current day Californian f***ing! Because that's all we f***ing know! Because we're boring! We're so f***ing boring! <laughs> Some would say that was a bit of an overreaction, but, you know, that's kind of as character, um, the way he, he approaches a lot of his uh, uh, vlogging commentary. That said, this is rubbing a lot of people the wrong way because there's no escape. Wherever you want to go in your escapist fantasy, it's all been touched by current-day California in particular, politics. It's like one very narrow segment of the country that has gotten control over the media and then ins insists on inserting and wedging itself in at any given opportunity, including your most beloved franchises like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Marvel or video games like Bethesda's latest R uh, RPG Starfield. It's not just the pronouns at the beginning of the game. They also work in a couple storylines. Um, that said, I don't think it overshadows the experience it's still worthwhile from a single player gaming perspective but um you know if this is something that does bother you you should have the option to at least mod it out and that was kind of the the the, the whole reason i brought this up nexus mods you can't you can't escape from this even in your own private space. Nexus Mods is a platform by which uh, video gamers can modify their gaming experience to uh, tailor it how they see fit. And in this case, people are uploading modifiers to the video game that removes the pronoun inclusion, just so that way they have a regular, normal single player experience. And Nexus Mods will not host the mod. They will not allow you to modify your single player experience. 
experience. This is a very Orwellian gesture, and it's not the first time they've dabbled their uh, toes in this kind of wokery. It goes all the way back to uh, uh, the PlayStation's release of Spider-Man, which included a lot of pride flags uh, flying around their digital uh, recreation of Manhattan. And some gamers uh, sought to reincorporate a code. This is the best part for the Middle Eastern release of the game in which those pride flags were replaced with American flags. Makes sense, considered it's set in New York City, Manhattan, but whatever. Um, so they just put the Middle Eastern code released where you could modify your game and Nexus Mods took that down because no, no, you cannot uh, replace the pride flag with the American flag. That's very bigoted of you to even consider that. It's also very bigoted of you uh, to want to remove the pronouns from Starfield. It's it's ridiculous. And to show you, it, it's not just video games. And and I know that subject might not uh, relate to a lot of our listeners. I don't know. I don't know if there are a lot of gamers like myself who are uh, 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 listening and participating in politics. But here's where the connection is, because I'm sure you've been paying attention to what's going on in schools. Look, if it's wormed its way into entertainment, it's certainly wormed its way also into schools. This is Senator John Kennedy, who was reading during a Senate hearing from books that have been prominently included in grade school libraries. And you tell me if you think this material sounds appropriate for a school library to incorporate in their catalog. I'm not arguing whether this is morally justifiable literature. I think you should be allowed to read whatever you want. If you want to go down to the library and check this book out, sure. But I don't think it should be in a school library, nor should I think this is controversial after you hear the select quote from Senator Kennedy. And I do give you fair warning for listener discretion being a Advised. This is quite graphic, and I actually um, was a little bit hesitant to play it. There, there's a little bit of question whether or not this was suitable for the airwaves, but I, I think after some clipping and editing down, we, we can get by with this in the safe harbor of Saturday night. But yes, that's how dicey this audio is. That's how spicy, uh, you know, the elementary school literature is. John Kennedy is reading from this book entitled Boys Aren't Blue. The first one is called... All boys aren't blue. And I will quote from it. I put some lube on and got him on his knees. And I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he landed. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass, and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. Close quote. All boys aren't blue. Wow. And that's what they're seeking to put on grade school shelves in some cases. Of course, parents are, have every right to be outraged and be involved in what's going on at their children's schools. If that's the kind of filth that administrators are allowing through the door again, I'm not arguing for this stuff to be banned. I think you should have access to whatever literature you choose to participate in. If you want to go to a bookstore and buy this, if you want to go to even your local library, if they have that in their catalog, but it's, it's not the school and and 
just to further kind of uh, uh, solidify that argument, here's another book which has been found on school shelves. This one called Gender Queer that John Kennedy was reading an excerpt from in this Senate hearing. Again, listener discretion advised. If you found the first uh, uh, recording rather uncomfortable, this equally so. So listener discretion advised. John Kennedy, Senator, reading from books which could be found on school libraries as these have been. The second is a, a another much discussed book. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's called Gender Queer. Let me read an excerpt from that. Quote, I got a new strap on, strap on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your in my mouth. I'm going to give you the job of your life. Then I want you inside of me. End quote. Okay. So, yeah. Obviously, very uncomfortable, uncomfortably graphic content that has no educational benefit that I can discern for incorporation on a school library shelf. So many books at our our disposal that, you know, would be used to make a well-rounded education. I think these can be skipped over. And again, read whatever you want. If this is something that you want to pursue in your private time or let your kids read, go to library, you know, public library, check it out there or go to your bookstore, buy it off Amazon. But you don't need to get it on the school shelves. I think that is uh, shouldn't be controversial. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I apologize if that offended your sensibility. I know that was very uncomfortable. It was even questionable whether or not we should play it. I took a risk, but I felt it was newsworthy considering the content that I mean, and if it's hairy for me to bring it to the airwaves, you know, how much more so should it be uh, 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 kept from young school children like this? this Mind blowing. Anyway, thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. We've got more content to come. Stay tuned for more. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, Indianapolis, after what I'm sure was an uncomfortable segment for many. We made it through unscathed, though. Is that that right, Producer Carl? Everybody in one piece? We're still here. All right. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. You can find my show uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM as well as WIBC.com if you'd like to catch up on the previous conversation. But we're leaving it there. And in the meantime, telling you about the aliens which were unveiled in front of the Mexican Congress last week. I thought this was exciting as hell because, trust me, Producer Carl, like Mulder from The X-Files, I want to believe. bodies being unveiled in front of the Mexican Congress and they look like paper mache because unfortunately as much as I would love to believe they're real these aliens have already been debunked I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news shocking 
alas. Okay, so the the guy who brought them forward, a uh, character by the name of Jamie Masson, he's already been debunked in a couple of his presentations before, and I would be thrilled. Look, if the government came forward and tomorrow they said, ah, you got us. We've been sitting on this stuff since Roswell, New Mexico, and, you know, they wheel it out from Air Force 51. They got, you know, a bona fide saucer out on the, the dolly. Look, I, I'd be thrilled. It's just, it's not this, sadly. Um, they've already done x-rays of, like, the bodies, and they were put together by a hack job, literally and figuratively, because the bones, the bones were just sawed apart and, like, stuffed together in mis- mitch, mi- uh, mismatched ways. Um, the, the alien bodies, if they were real, would not be uh, biologically capable of walking. They were so poorly constructed. So this wasn't even put together by, like, some naturalist, let alone expert in extraterrestrial biology. Um, sadly, it has uh, already been debunked before it even got out of the gate. Of course, he, you know, was inviting um, uh, researchers from around the world to come test this, but it's not happening. And mind you, the Mexican government wasn't lending him credibility. I guess they just gave him the opportunity to make this presentation. It's not something that they even necessarily took seriously. So the fact that it was presented before a Mexican Congress on Tuesday, not necessarily the gravitas or bona fides that Jamie Massant would like you to believe it is. Sadly. All right. Um, we also had from this week far left activists who stormed the office of Kevin McCarthy. This in regards to PEPFAR, a federal program which would fund HIV, uh, the, the, the epidemic um, research and prevention. And it's not even something that Kevin McCarthy personally, individually has the ability to pass. But here these individuals are. They uh, stormed his office in what I'm sure the national media uh, labeled an insurrection. Right. Right, and screaming and chanting at the top of their lungs. By the way, this is what hell sounds like. Mental illness is a political identity and always has been. So I'm sure just like, uh, you know, the bison head or the uh, uh, Proud Boys and the other people who stormed uh, the Capitol building uh, in the riot on January 6th, I'm sure uh, the Capitol Police and prosecutors, uh, federal prosecutors are going to go after these people just as hard, right? Surely. No, probably not. I, maybe in order to be taken seriously, they had to walk away with uh, Kevin McCarthy's lectern. You know, if you, if you take the lectern, that's what really uh, sets the Congress. <laughs> Congress on fire. Um, anyway, Saturday night on The Circle. Thanks for listening. We also uh, wanted to cover this story uh, from this week where five Iranians were traded for a release of not only five Iranian prisoners, a prisoner swap, but six billion dollars worth of funding released from, I believe, Korean banks, um, unfrozen and allowed to return to the largest, uh, single largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. You want to talk about a bad trade? And here's John Kirby saying, well, I guess it's the best we can do. White House spokesman. Um, But didn't they also get five Iranians? They will get five uh, Iranians as well. Yeah, Jackie. Then why did we need to add six billion dollars on top of that? This is the deal that uh, we were able to strike to secure the release of five Americans. Stop it! Stop it! Please! I beg you! It's a sin! It's a sin! It's a sin! 
by doing this, not only have you weakened the negotiating strength of American diplomacy, because our our go-to policy has not to been to negotiate with terrorists, uh, but you've also put a very high price on American lives. Because now, it, what? Why would any country settle less than one point two billion dollars ahead? Thank you, Joe Biden, for setting that oh so lovely precedent here. Um, it, <laughs> for our prison transfers. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. We got more to come. Up next, guest Tony Kennett is going to join the show. I'm replaying a segment from our appearance on Tony Katz today in which he did an in-depth discussion of the resignation of Stephanie Wokes, I'm sorry, Stephanie Stokes of uh, Hamilton Southeastern. Um, I think there was a lot of information which the general public may not be privy that you will be interested to hear in the next segment, so stay tuned. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. And on Thursday, I was asked to fill in on Tony Katz today, joined by the dashing investigative reporter from The Daily Signal, Tony Kinnett. And together we had an incredible show, covered a variety of topics, one of them including the kerfluffle at Hamilton Southeastern Schools, where the superintendent recently resigned under much controversy. And Tony Kinnett having his finger on the pulse of education Educational news made sure to explain all the details to us in a prolonged in-depth segment on the issue, which I'll replay now. All right, let's dive into a bunch of drama that's currently unfolding at Hamilton Southeastern Schools. Oh, yeah. More criticism being levied at the district for the surprise resignation of its superintendent, Yvonne Stokes, who I understand there's been some criticism about, and also um, defense from the community, including a uh, lawyer by the name of Jamie Cairns, who blames uh, the school district for not giving her a chance. This is something that I understand you have a thing or two to say about uh, Tony Kennett. Let's get into her thoughts where she was uh, interviewing um, and kind of answering. Before you you play the audio from from Jamie, because you do want to give her that that time. Uh, I want to point out, first of all, what happened. So Dr. Yvonne Stokes uh, resigned. So she filed her letter of resignation. It's available for everyone to read. Uh, She was given a severance payment to finalize her health care and benefits through the end of the academic year and also her salary, which is $180,000. So she was paid off and resigned, which is totally different from A, being forced out or fired, or B, 
resigning of your own accord and just walking away and saying, I'm out, guys. See ya. So very different. So that's the stage that is set. Now I think we're ready. I expect the separation agreement, which, of course, we haven't seen yet, to give her some money and have an agreement in it that she won't sue the school corporation. And I think if those two things are included in the separation agreement, that tells us that this isn't her quitting the job. There was too much drama in HSC since 2021 for her to have any chance of being liked or not liked or to do anything. At least one person commented on Facebook in favor of the resignation. Sergio Camarera said, good, clean house. Okay, now that's that's the only person they could find. To, like there are again, there it's are journalists and, and did you find out was that from WTHR? Yes, I believe so. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, WTHR. So Channel 13, instead of actually contacting the number, any number of officials in Indiana who would respond to Stokes uh, being canned or resigning or being forced out or whatever, they found a Facebook commenter, not yeah. biased at all. Now you called her the ultimate lawsuit liability, but Jamie Cairns was saying she received the payoff as a means to avoid suing the school. So what? who's in the wrong here? So I, two things can be true at once. Uh, first of all, it's very important to note that Jamie Cairns runs an account called HS Equal. It's an equity-focused activist group for Hamilton Southeastern that campaigned very heavily against certain school board members while maintaining uh, support for basically trying to elect to the school board members, active members of the Democrat Party in, in the county. So just to note who she is in the first place. So making sure that there's no one in the situation who is unbiased, as I am not unbiased either. I am biased. Every single individual on earth is biased. When you're looking at the situation, you need to consider the facts of what happened. She resigned and she was paid off for it. Now, I have been part of an agreement before where this happened, and this is a very common occurrence, as I was telling Rob Kent a little bit earlier today. When someone gets a payment and then resigns, it is an agreement between the two entities to play nice. So there might be something in this agreement. Jamie's correct that says uh, you agree not to sue the district. Um, there's most likely going to just be an NDA between the two parties, a non-disclosure agreement, which says I'm going to leave you alone. You are going to leave me alone. And here's why. What a lot of people do not know. And if you talk to a lot of staff from Hamilton Southeastern, as I have over the last couple of days, a lot of those staff will tell you that Dr. Stokes was absolutely obsessed with race. And over the last couple of years, would walk into classrooms, would invite people to her office and berate them for things like white privilege. Uh, reportedly, she told one black staff member they weren't, and I quote, black enough, end quote, and also told a Hispanic staff member that looked white about their white privilege, which is, again, very wild. I hate to break it to all of the race nationalists out there, uh, but just because you look white does not mean that your heritage is from Western Europe. Okay, walk me through this, Tony, because I am not familiar with the ins and outs of this story, and I understand you've done a little bit of groundwork here communicating with parents and kind of evaluating the situation at large. Why is she getting the payoff if she's the legal liability here? How does that equate to, I mean, if you're allegedly harassing people on a racial basis, how does that equate to you being paid off and quietly shuffled out the door. Right. So so the, the the way that perhaps the progressives would respond to that as they have when I've made these claims is, well, then why wasn't she just fired? You know, you're claiming right. that therefore she was fired with cause. No. And I very explicitly stated, Jamie Carnes, for example, got on the internet through the HS Equal account on Twitter and accused me of saying she was fired with cause. And, and that's not how this works. Although when I was on Hammer and Nigel, the segment that she was describing, I specifically stated she was not fired with cause. Play that real quick just, put, to, yeah, uh, was... just to line this up so that we can verify that 
exactly what I said. We've been in national headlines enough, and so it's likely here because she wasn't fired with cause. They didn't fire Dr. Stokes. She chose to resign. That basically Dr. Stokes takes her little severance pay. The district gets rid of this incredible liability, and both parties go their separate okay, ways. So this okay, so so here's why this matters, and here's how we can point to the fact that she was paid off even though she was the liability. There was, and we are aware of this, we're currently in the process of obtaining this, there was an investigation and report done to Dr. St- or on Dr. Stokes when Julie Chambers, uh, who's a, a lawyer in, in that area, uh, was running that school board. And in that instance, this investigation was looking into Stokes' racial harassing of staff. And after that investigation report was completed, uh, Chambers basically boxed it up and said, we're done talking about this. They didn't release the findings. They didn't do anything. So that leaves an open box on an investigation. Now, since the new school board, the more conservative oriented school board has taken over, they've hired a new law firm. Churchill and Antrim is no longer in charge over there for law firm related in uh, law firm related interests and abilities. Now they have a different law firm. Whenever you hire a new law firm or a new accounting firm or whoever else that is managing something relating to your books, the, dirty the laundry. very first thing that organization does is they look for any boxes that are still open and have not been dealt with. This is a corporate concept that is a tale as old as time. And the beauty and the beast of this is that Dr. Stokes has that un- or has that remaining open box of this investigation that was never finalized, which puts you in this position. They have to address this at some point because there have been the microaggressions national scandal uh, again other racial scandals regarding this school there's also some questions regarding the individual uh, Ben Yoder who was an orchestra teacher in the district that was sending uh, very weird disturbing texts to minors asking if they wanted to go get in trouble somewhere and all other kinds of weird nonsense and again Stokes kind of heading over those at the time now this new law firm and this board are being pressured to looking into those so here's where this all boils down this is the final point, and this is where I begin speculating. I believe that what happened here is that Stokes was presented with the idea that we can start reopening these investigations, and we can start digging through all of the stuff that you're going through, and we can really finally take a good look at you and do it in the public eye, or you can take this little bit of a severance pay. It'll be a lot cheaper for the district because this investigation would be very expensive. It would be right in the public, and it would like never end. Or we can kind of both cut our losses. We don't like you. You don't like me, and we both go our separate ways and sign NDAs. That happens all the time, especially in the journalist world and in the education world as well. So, in light of all this potential scandal perhaps being averted as a result of this settlement um, and and uh, resignation, um, it seems like the school board would be desperate for stability and normalcy in leadership, and they've uh, supposedly been poised to name Matt Keegley, assistant superintendent uh, for teaching and learning, as leader of the district. Would this solve problems, Tony Kennett, or would it create more of them? It depends what you mean by solving problems. Uh, Are we we going to be at risk for more uh, racial harassment, potentially? Well, I've I've certainly never heard of of anything regarding him and and racial harassment. He's a very competent individual from from the staff that I've spoken to about this, and the guy, obviously, at the moment, that's the interim replacement for her. Um, As far as Dr. Wokes, excuse me, Dr. Stokes (laughs) is concerned, uh, she had a lot of weird community ties to a a racial equity group that said a lot of really disturbing and, and racially egregious things. 
about anyone who is not black. Uh, there's a lot of other weird things that Dr. Stokes is tied to. Uh, just a, a lot of things that I'm not mentioning on the air because they are more speculative from staff members that haven't been there as long. A lot of rumors and, and really disturbing things like that. This really is the best case for everyone. And I, I do mean that. There's never going to be a situation in which this board is free from controversy because it's a populated district with a conservative majority school board. And the left has made it very clear that they are going to push back at every single instance, no matter what. And so the board is, from what I can gather, trying to accomplish the goals that they were elected to while minimizing the national scandals involved. It, it takes a lot of work to clean up a school system. And it sounds so far, like it looks kind of hit miss. it under the rug and make the problem go away. In a, in a, in a way that's that in, in a, best case scenario, it's a less expensive way. Okay. Because all right, yeah. so let's 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 hype, let's get a hypothetical here. Let's say that you open up these investigations and you you dig into Doctor Stokes and all of this. Well, now a lot of things are out of your hands, and people on the left are known for doing weird backflips over barriers and and kind of regulations, and then watch them be stuck with Doctor Stokes forever, paying her a small retaliatory settlement and doing a bunch of stuff that's going to cost the district a ton of money in investigations and independent this and all other kinds of nonsense, rather than just it's a thirty-two million dollar ish annual budget district, pay the 180 grand and then be done with her forever. It I'm just saying from my perspective, that makes a lot of sense. And so ends the tale of Superintendent Yvonne Wokes, at least for now. But if more details come, we'll be sure to talk about them here on Saturday night on The Circle. And I hope you'll stay tuned for more on the way. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm tickled pink, but things are rosy, and skies are blue once again. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. No more will I sigh or cry. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. It's been an entertaining show so far. I hope you agree. Thanks for catching the show on YouTube where you can find us streaming live. Hop in the comments if you're so inclined. Also, the show posted to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. Wrapping things up here on a Saturday night with an amusing suggestion by a Chicago Democrat, which will surely solve crime in the beleaguered city. Somebody should tell Jefferson Shreve of this brilliant plan that Alderwoman Maria Haddon has come up with asking gang members to refrain from shooting during daylight hours. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., no gangland shootings allowed in Chicago, according to the older woman. But then 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., have at it. Shooting in the street, whatever. Murder whoever you want, get in your gangland shootings, do your drugs, whatever. That, <laughs> I mean, no joke, no joke. That is the plan from Chicago Democratic Alderwoman Maria ha- uh, Haddon. Uh, this is to eliminate the risk um, to people, quote, not involved in high-risk activities. It's called the People's Ordinance. <laughs> This is this is very, uh, very good stuff. Um, she says, if people knew that after a certain hour, the likelihood of them being shot by an unknown and unprovoked assailant is at a higher risk, they will be less likely to be out and about, and they may become more proactive with the uh, supervision of their children. Whereas those who live a certain lifestyle try to hang with the regular citizens, they put everyone at risk. So she's trying, you know, to separate the classes, if you will, keep the gangland activities to overnight. 
night and then your daylight activities for the law-abiding citizenry. Oh, <sighs> and I got and the excuse is, well, we got to start somewhere. Um, Chicago, look, you're suffering. You, you get what you vote for. Um, it's not just the local municipal leadership like this older woman. It's also the mayor, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson. Um, he is proposing a mansion tax on millionaires. Uh, houses sold over $1 million uh, as his administration continues to push higher tax on households, also earning more than $100,000. Um, he is seeking to redistribute this income to the homeless of the area as yeah, Carl's laughing in the background because, I mean, this stuff sounds like it comes from a cartoon, but it's real. It is real. And these are the people that Chicago has elected to represent them. So really, they have no one to blame but themselves. And we will take all the sane members of the society who are seeking to leave as long as they swear never to vote that way again. Please tell us you've learned some kind of lesson. Unfortunately, they don't. Aww. They moved to Indiana. They continued to vote the same way. I see all the Illinois and California plates, and they all vote the same. Well, I mean, maybe that's why you end up with options like Jefferson Shreve, attractive to no one in the Republican Party, or you you would think, given on his uh, message of uh, running against law-abiding citizens and confiscating their firearms. But I, I guess it's a contest to see whether that is more dunderheaded of an idea than uh, the older woman from Chicago suggesting that uh, uh, gangland shooting should be restricted to overnight hours. So instead of taking, I mean, you know, look, at least instead of taking the guns away from law-abiding citizenry, she's actually addressing the source of the problem. Now, they're not going to follow it, but at least you're blaming the right people. And Ethan, <laughs> think about it. step in the it. right direction. Think about it. We're working at night, so I guess it's okay for us to be vulnerable not for the next five minutes we're safe <laughs> okay. we're safe for the next five minutes um and then as soon as the clock strikes nine that's when the gangland activity is is good to go so yeah i'm going to be leaving the studio as quickly as i can in my motor vehicle to arrive safely home uh well the, i mean but that's just chicago that's not in indianapolis fortunately or at least yet um of course we don't have much to look forward to in the election uh coming up uh in in just a few weeks here in November. And uh, again, breaking news that we broke at the top of the hour. Um, the first lady of Indianapolis, Stephanie Hogsett, has filed for divorce against her husband. So this is going to really make for an interesting race for mayor. Thanks for listening to the show, Indianapolis. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. So I'll leave you with my parting words of wisdom. As always, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind, and I'll see you next week on WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans.